Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Welcome to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Rhino down there in Studio X. He just makes sure everything works perfectly. Even me. Even me. He's got he's got all the buttons that if I screw up, he'll he'll make it sound good. I could say something dumb, but you'd never know. You'd never know thanks to him. Well, appreciate you guys. Uh, well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in every Wednesday night to hear me talk about Mississippi State sports. Plenty to talk about here on a Wednesday. And let's just dive, you know, Rhino, we need to get some sort of like Twilight Zone-y kind of music for the transfer portal. We need to... Something, you know, some sort of sci-fi kind of sound. I don't know if we can make that happen for the next time we want to talk about this. But uh, the transfer portal uh, giveth and taketh away, and sometimes it just gives you right back what it took out. And that's what happened today as Mississippi State added Mississippi State transfer, to quote my friend Paul Jones, uh, Tulu Griffin back to the roster. Yes, they replaced the hole that Tulu Griffin left in the receiver core with Tulu Griffin. And so you ask yourself, was it much ado about nothing? Was there something to all this? Why did why go in just to come out and stay five days later? Guys, I have two children. I have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. And I can't explain a single thing that they do. They are some of the most illogical human beings I've ever met in my entire life. These are people who tell me they don't like a certain food, but I'm like, but you like this and this, and I combine them to make this. Nope. Nope. Don't like that. This is what we're dealing with here. Or this is this is the product of our of our children. And I'm not one of these, you know, this generation's so soft. I'm not one of those fuddy duddies or anything like that. But these guys do stuff that I can't, I wouldn't do, and that I, I don't understand. But they do it, and so it's done. Tulu Griffin will be returning kicks and catching passes. And probably running the football a little bit next year uh, for Mississippi State, but why? Why jump in? And then, and, you know, why, why have Mississippi State has seen two now two receivers, two two big pieces for next year, Xavier Thomas and uh, and Tully Griffin, jump in the portal and then jump back out and decide to stay in Starkville? It's unusual. I mentioned this stat on. Um, on Sports Talk Mississippi, and I, I, I stole it again. Let's go back to Paul Jones. Uh, but he said, you know, of, I, I can't even tell you how many players have entered the portal. It's in the thousands. It's probably closer to the tens of thousands, to be honest. 25 of them, only 25, have decided to stay at their school. And two of those were at Mississippi State. So that's a real outlier for, for the Bulldogs to be able to get these guys back into the fold. For Tulu, I think that, and, and this, now we had, we had to play the speculation game because obviously I haven't talked to him, but I think he had some people in his ear 
call them bad actors, or you know, maybe some people who are genuinely concerned about his future. It could be one or the other. It could be somewhere in between. I lean towards the bad actors because I think Tulu had a good situation in Starkville, and there's no reason to try to mess with that. He's on the right path for his future in terms of being a professional football player, I think, in Starkville. Why rock the boat? But there were people who wanted to see, like, you know, put yourself out there and see what can happen. And I don't think it was so much about NIL, and I don't even know that it was so much about opportunities. You know, if anything, you and I, everybody who listens to the show, you know I, I spoke all season long about I thought Tulu Griffin was underutilized in the air raid system. But that's going to change now with the Kevin Barbe system. Which, by the way, have we, we, we got a lot to cover. You know, a lot of stuff's happened since we last had a show. But I think Tulu will be a much bigger piece of the offense in this new system. But I understand, so I, I understand why he did it. I understand why you would put yourself in the portal. But I don't know that I understand the reasons. If, if that makes sense, if, if I, if I, maybe I'm talking out of, out of both sides of my mouth here. But at the end of the day, he's back. And that's a big piece for Mississippi. You know, some state fans are like, oh, better off without him. Should let him go. Guys, Tulu Griffin, in my opinion, is the best kick returner. In, in the United States. He's the best in college football. I don't think you can improve on him. So there is no state would be better off without him. No. Inaccurate. State's already lost Dylan Johnson, who would have been a big cog this upcoming season. They lost Ra Ra Thomas, who would have been a big cog this upcoming season. Couldn't really afford to lose Tulu Griffin. You know, need, needed his playmaking ability. Needed what he brings you in the return game. Need the positive yardage and the touchdowns that he's going to provide for this football team in 2023. So getting him back was the right move. And if you don't, if you disagree with me, well, then you can take it up with Zach Arnett. And I'm certainly not one of those. If you think you could do better, call the coaches, guys. I'm not saying that, but Arnett obviously thought Tulu Griffin was the guy he wanted to have on his roster. Otherwise, he would have said, "Hey." Good luck to you. Wish you the best in future endeavors. He didn't. He and his staff and the team made every effort and made every attempt to keep Tulu Griffin, and it worked. It paid off. And so we go. So what's the portal going to look like the rest of the way? I mean, this is the last day for guys to get in. I think and I, I think the state's going to be kind of quiet in the portal. They've got some big needs to fill. They still need a backup quarterback. They need to get some tight ends on the roster. And then it looks, you know, you look at other positions. Is there a guy out there at receiver? Is there an offensive lineman that you just sort of can't turn down? If that player's there and they have interest in Mississippi State, you take them. But I think State's going to be kind of quiet in the portal until we get into May when it, when we open back up, when after the spring practices. Especially when you talk about quarterback. At this point, who's left that, that's, that's, that's worth going after? When spring practices conclude and, and some jobs are won and lost, you'll see another flux of quarterbacks coming into the portal, and then you can pick and choose your guy from that. And then you need tight ends, and you got plenty to sell those guys because there's nobody. There's not a tight end on the Mississippi State roster. A lot of people have been talking about Antonio Harmon, and I think that he could do it. But there's a big difference between being a wide receiver and being a tight end. There's a big difference between, hey, I might have to block a cornerback every now and then versus i got to block defensive ends now in the SEC. It's not just a question of putting on 25, 30 pounds and throwing them out there. That's a big change in mentality for a player who's only ever been a wide receiver in his, his football career. 
So yeah, the idea that you can just throw him in there is like, okay, now you're, you're a tight end now. I don't know that you can just do that. So State's got plenty to offer tight ends. I believe the Georgia transfer, uh, I may butcher his name here, I think it's Riley, Riley Goode, will be here uh, next week is what's being reported over on 24-7. And, and State has it basically can offer him a starting position day one because they just don't have any other guys. But I think you're gonna see you'll see State work the portal in the in the late spring, early summer, and then they'll figure out figure it out and go go from there. I know that Marnett and his staff are out recruiting, and they have been for this week and 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 last week. They haven't finalized the entire staff, by the way. It's 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 kind of one of those things, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge things, and and it's because there's not anybody new new coming in. Jason Washington looks like he's staying in place at the running back position. Uh, it looks like you know the rumored move of Tony Hughes to safety is going to happen, and then the new face, if you want to call him new, is Brett Dewhurst, who will be uh, promoted. At, is he an analyst, a grad assistant? I'm not 100 percent sure, but he'll be the new safeties coach. He's a guy that has been working under Arnett these past couple of years, and they and they feel like he's it's ready for him to, to take that step up. So another young guy on the staff. You know, the staff has a good mix of young and and, and veteran. You know, you've got guys like like Bumpus. Who's a younger guy? Dewhurst is a younger guy. Even Matt Brock is and Arnett are younger guys for sure. And then you have guys like Tony Hughes who've been around for a, for a long, long time. Um, Will Friend is a, is obviously a veteran coach. David Turner is a veteran coach. And from a recruiting perspective, I I, I really do think and, you know, and we don't know anything till pins come to paper in December. But I think from a, just from a you know a, a legacy and a, a, reg, a resume perspective, this is a stronger recruiting staff uh, as Mississippi State, and even the new offensive coordinator Kevin Barbe has a reputation as a good recruiter. He's only ever really been at, at some of the smaller schools in terms of, of being an on the field coach, but has got that reputation of, of being a good recruiter and runs an offense that, quite frankly, should be attractive to playmakers, should be attractive to, to guys you know to skill position guys. Um, so we'll see how it all pans out, but but all in all, yeah, I like where State sits from a recruiting perspective uh, with this staff. So the portal, man, it's crazy. It's one of the. I, I always felt Tulu was going to come back, but man, it's just so weird, right? It's like I'm out of here. Just kidding. Say psych. This is what it is. All right, when we come back we got to talk a little bit more about Kevin Barbe and his offense and what that's going to mean for Mississippi State when spring practice rolls around because I have some questions about how that's going to work. So we'll figure that out. We'll talk basketball later in the show. Plenty to talk about there. Plus, whatever else comes up. We'll talk about that here on Thunder and Lightning when we come back. You're listening to Super Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back here on Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Adad. Thanks for 
spending a few minutes with me on a Wednesday evening. If you ever missed this show, it's always available on the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed, which is available wherever you get podcasts from. And, of course, at supertalk.fm. Five days a week, the Thunder and Lightning podcast with me and Robbie Falk. Uh, this show, plus any interviews I do, I had an exclusive one that wasn't available on any podcast uh, with Coach Chris Lamonis as we are you know, now 29 days away from the start of the college baseball season. Talked to the Diamond Dog Skipper just yesterday. If you missed that, just go to supertalk.fm, and it's available for you right there at no charge to you, I might add. So always a lot of great free content for sports and, of course, all the news here in the state of Mississippi and around the nation at supertalk.fm. So Kevin Barbe is the new offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. That hire was made official on Thursday, I believe. And I actually ran into Barbe uh, at Restaurant Tyler here in Starkville uh, on, on Friday. I was grabbing lunch there, and I uh, saw him and, and Chad Bumpus uh, and spoke to them for a minute. Seemed a very personable guy in the the two three minutes I got to talk to him. Um, if you don't aren't familiar with him, he was the offensive coordinator list past year at App State, been at Central Michigan prior to that. Runs a variation of what's known as the veer and shoot. Uh, so it's sort of an option based offense that doesn't involve a ton of quarterback run. His quarterback this past year uh, at App State, Chase Bryce. Only ran the ball seventy-one times, and uh, that was his rushing numbers were kind of similar to what Will Rogers were here at Mississippi State, as in they were low. Uh, but runs the football a good bit, a little more, you know, a little more balanced in the two, the true sense of the word balance. Um, but a guy who, you know, if you look at their, their their game by game, there were some games where they threw the ball quite a bit, and some games where they ran the ball quite a bit. So definitely going to be a, a take what the defense gives you and try to exploit that uh, kind of coach. I think Will Rogers can fit into what Barbe wants to do offensively. I think obviously it's going to help Rogers a lot, leaning more on the running game. Yeah, again, you know, we talked about it so many times during the season last year that State was so much better when they were able to run the football and run it effectively. Uh, in almost every one of their wins, uh, they ran the ball, uh, and in most of the, in their four losses, running the football was an issue for them in almost every one of them. So. State's got the pieces in place there. You know, the offensive line, they'll be fine transitioning into more of a run heavy approach. Marks, Price, they'll be good. And then, you know, we'll see what the, the newcomers in. A guy like uh, Jeff Pittman coming in from, uh, from junior college, he drew some comparisons to Vic Ballard out of Hines Community College. I mean, if, if that's the kind of talent you're getting, then this offense sounds perfect for him. And then, you know, at the receiver position, you've almost got a glut of receivers. I think State has 13 on scholarship when you include the incoming freshmen. I don't know if you need that many, so you might see a couple more of those guys hit the portal. But right now, if you're telling me that, you know, I can put J- – I think Jaden Wally is a guy who you, you might see him and Tulu switch. You know, Jaden Wally was a slot guy under Mike Leach. Tulu was an outside guy. Make the switch. And you made your three wide sets or Wally, Justin Robinson with Tulu in the, sw- the slot – and then I can go to get Xavion Thomas out there as well. I mean, that's that's a lot of playmakers, I think, for Mississippi State. Um, but I have a question, and it goes back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago. In the spring, when you want to practice the offense, where are the tight ends? You don't have any on the roster. How, how, do, you, how do you install? How do you practice? I have no idea what the answer to that question is, because State's not going to get two, three tight ends 
on the roster before March. That's just not going to happen. Their top target that I mentioned, the Georgia kid, um, has said he would not be enrolling until May anyway. So the, no, 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 getting him in. So I, I'm, I'm, I am at a loss on this one. You may literally may see some walk-ons. You know, you may see some guys moving from defense. Like you know, if you've got a couple of walk-on linebackers or third or fourth string linebackers, so you, you know, you feel like, hey, they, they're not gonna, they're not gonna be much of a of an impact on defense. Maybe during the spring we give them a look at tight end and just sort of see how it goes. And then in the fall, obviously, you can get you know you can get your full complement in there because you'll have hit the portal for them. But that's a very interesting question to me. How does state practice and install this offense when they don't have all of the pieces? They're missing a key key ingredient there. And then at the quarterback position, you know, you have Rodgers, and then you have Chris Parson coming in, but you know, he suffered a really bad injury his last uh, his senior season of high school. Not going to be, you know, I don't think he'll be a hundred percent when spring practice starts. You're just going to have to. You talk about treating the quarterbacks with kid gloves. They already wear non-contact jerseys, but you're not going to be able to allow anybody near the quarterbacks, and which is interesting because we, you know, it's a different offense, and you, you know, you, those guys need to move around a little bit. But you're going to have to be so careful with your quarterbacks because you just have two guys right now, unless you can somehow between now and then get a quarterback in, which I don't think you can. I just don't think that you can. Spring practice is going to be a very interesting thing to watch uh, at Mississippi State. I think the transition will be easier to this offense from the air raid than it was going from Joe Moorhead's offense to the air raid. Because I think you, 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 I think, you know, first off, from Will Rogers' perspective, you're just handing it off more. That in and of itself is going to be easier. You know, you're taking about 200 of your pass attempts and turning those probably into run attempts. So that's that's not a huge issue. I think for the offensive line, by and large, run blocking is something that all offensive linemen love to do, and they they can you know it's it's just you know leverage and strength. It's not so much the 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 science and ballet that can be pass blocking from time to time. So I think you're fine there. And obviously, you've got plenty of playmakers in the backfield, plenty of playmakers at the receiver. But you got to figure out this tight end thing. And I mean, you've got to be able to figure it out. So that you can practice and and install and and get the formations in place that you want to be able to see in the fall. So there's going to be so I, I just have to assume it's an assumption, but I just have to assume there's some you know there's some some position changes coming at least temporary ones for the spring. I'm efforting. We're, we're, there's a lot of efforting going on for interviews right now. There's so much change and flux at Mississippi State. And the coaches are all out recruiting, and Zach Selman hasn't arrived on campus full-time yet. He'll be here this weekend. We're trying to get Zach Selman on with us. We're trying to get Zach Arnett on with us. And we're trying to get Kevin Barbe on with us. Trying to get Chad Bumpus on with us. We want to get to talk to all these guys. We want them to talk to you guys. But it's difficult right now because there's just so much going on. Uh, you know, until this final signing day is in it. And I mean, I guess it makes sense for state to be really working the recruiting angle for not only for the 2024 class, their first junior day is, uh, I believe next weekend. But obviously, you know, there's still some, 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 they, they, you got to get guys in this class. You've got to get some more guys. You may have to go. I, I definitely would think, you know, with the, the final signing day coming up in February, you want to try to find a high school tight end for sure. You got to find somebody who can be here for a couple of years at least. I don't know who the most highly rated. I don't know what what remains on the uh, the twenty four seven player rankings 
as far as tight ends go, but you got to look. You got to at least give some of those guys a, a look there for sure. Spring practice, man. I, 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 you know, normally spring practice is just like whatever. It is what it is. You know, if Leach were back, it, w- it would not be worth going out there almost because you, it would just be the same guy. You, you know what Rogers and Marks and Wally and those guys, you know what you're going to get. But this is totally different. And you got a lot of guys who are going to have to move around, and, and it's going to look completely, completely different. When I say completely different, I would su- suggest you YouTube some of these some videos of Barbe's offense. And so you can see all the, the various formations. This is a guy who's not afraid to line up with three backs and two tight ends, but at the same time, he's not a guy, he's a guy who's not afraid to spread the field and go four or five wide. You know, he is really, he really believes in attacking from all, all different angles and all different formations. Um, you're going to see a lot more misdirection than you're used to. Uh, you're going to see a lot, obviously a lot more of the running game. I think a guy like Tulu Griffin and Xavion Thomas, they will both have a part to play. They will be a factor. Uh, in the running game as well, a lot of differences. I mean, he couldn't be almost almost he, he Zach Arnett almost picked a complete diametric opposite to what Mike Leach would be doing, and that's going to be interesting because there's going to be you know that transitional phase, and there's going to be uh, a lot going on there. So. We'll see. We'll see how that pans out for Mississippi State. Like I said, I think from a transition standpoint, moving from the air raid is a lot easier than moving to the air raid. I think that I think that will be an easier time to have. But there's going to be some 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 bumps in the road. There's no question about that. You know. Luckily, this is not going to be a year. You know, God willing, we're not going to have another pandemic. But this shouldn't be a year where you're playing 10 conference games and nobody else. You know, you can work out some kinks against Southeastern Louisiana in week one. So, we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes. All right, when we come back, let's talk some hoops. I thought State is, State's played better the past couple games, but they're still not winning. Can they turn that around Saturday against Florida? Let's talk about that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. You called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. Thunder and lightning. Here on Super Talk Mississippi, I'm Brian Haydad. Rhino down there in Studio X. He's the one who plays all the great music that we have here on Thunder and Lightning. Let's talk some basketball. And no, I don't mean uh, the donkey basketball that I learned about on uh, on Sports Talk Mississippi earlier today. Rhino, ever heard of donkey basketball? (laughs) Yes, but only because I found it in a yearbook long time ago and asked about it. But yeah, that's uh, a unique sport. Had no idea it was a thing. I'm glad that it was cleared up for me that the people were riding the donkeys as opposed to just telling the donkeys to go out there and shoot the hoops and see how that went. That could have been a a nightmare. 
Uh, but anyway, let's talk about some actual basketball that's played at the Humphrey Coliseum last night. Mississippi State falls again to Tennessee, 70-59. to I know this is going to sound weird coming from me. I know, guys, I know. This is not my brand. But uh, let's talk about, let's try to put a positive spin on State's 1-5 and five start uh, in SEC play. Is that right? They're 1-5? and five? Yeah, they're 1-5. Four of the losses are to teams ranked in the top 28 of net. Three of them are to two t- are teams ranked in the top three of net. They've lost to Tennessee twice, who's number two, and Alabama once, who is number three. They have a game against Florida, 48th in the net currently, on Saturday. And then they have another game with Alabama on the road. And then they have TCU on next Saturday, which I, I believe the last time I looked, they were 17th in the net. These are all good teams. And I'll be honest, I think State has a chance on this Saturday against Florida. Florida has not played great this year. They've been better recently, but they got off to a slow start. Um, but I think State can win that game, and that would be a good win for them. Then after that, you're not playing the same caliber of teams. I mean, State is is their first, I guess that's their first eight games will play, what do we determine there? Four, because they play Alabama twice and Tennessee twice, and then Auburn and TCU. They're playing six of those eight games, or six of those nine games, I guess. TCU, I'm sorry, TCU is not a conference game. But So six of their nine games will have been against uh, top 28 or better in the net. Nobody expected State to win those games. Nobody. So I'm not overly concerned that they're losing those games. Now, I'm concerned at the way they've played in some of them. I was concerned when they're shooting 42 or 35% from the free throw line. I'll be concerned about that. But the, the wins and losses, not a huge deal to me. The team is clearly better than it was a year ago. They, they've played better the last two games than they played previous, which means, you know, Mid-season improvement, that is something you didn't have under the previous regime. Michael Borky said it best today, this team has a flaw that they can't correct. It's not an effort flaw, it's not a scheme flaw, they don't have shooters. What does this team look like if Iverson Molinar decides to come back for another year in Starkville? It's totally different. They probably have a couple more wins. Probably squarely in the NCAA tournament. As it is... Right now they're on the outside looking in, and they're falling farther and farther behind. They're, they're, they're falling farther down the bubble. They can get back because their net was so high coming into the conference, into, into conference play. But they got to start finding some wins. And this weekend, this Saturday would be a good place to start with Florida. I don't think they have much of a chance at Alabama. I just saw, I just watched Alabama beat LSU by 40 in Tuscaloosa this past Saturday. So I don't think that's going to be the case. But can they beat out Florida at home? Yes. Could they beat TCU at home? I mean, they lost by eleven to Alabama and eleven by to uh, by eleven to uh, Tennessee at home, who are both better teams than TCU. So they can be in the game and have a chance to win there at the end. I think so. Absolutely, absolutely. I have been nothing but impressed by the year one of Chris Chance. State, when they play, plays, they play, the, the coaching, the schemes, the game plan is winning basketball. They get to the line enough that they should win almost every game they play. Tennessee at Tennessee is, the, is the, really the only one 
where you can say they they couldn't have won, they weren't going to win. They got to the line 36 times against Alabama. They lost by 11 and they missed 18 free throws. The game plan was solid. They lost to Georgia by 8. They missed 15 free throws. They got to the line 22 times. The game plan was solid. They got good looks and they got to the foul line. Against Tennessee, they shot the they shot better. They just in the second half, Tennessee went on a, a, a firing spree from three-point range. They were 8 of 9 in the second half. That was after State held them to 2 of 15 in the first half. Tennessee has good shooters. They have good players, great athletes. They're a better team than Mississippi State, and yet State was in it with the game with them till, the, till basically the final three or four minutes. This team is not too far away. If they had a, a shooter, a guy they could just rely on to shoot 35% from three, they would have won a couple more games. They seem to, in the last two games, have improved the free throw shoot shooting. I mean, 60% is still not great, but it's better than 40. You'll take that. You can make a couple more and you get into the 70s. Now you're fine. And they went from 0 for 18 to, I think, 7 of 25 last night. A reasonable shooting percentage for three, especially for this team. They get into the lane. They get good looks. Last night, Tennessee had nine blocks, and I will tell you without hesitation, at least five or six of those were right at the rim. Right at the rim. So a situation where State gets a good look, they go up, they should be getting a dunk or a layup, and Tennessee is just able to make a play. Tennessee's a good basketball team. You know, I don't know how they'll do in the tournament because Rick Barnes is consistently one of the, you know, the not a great tournament coach, but they're going to be a high seed. For sure. Alabama's going to be a high seed. Alabama may end up being the number one team in the nation when this is all said and done. That's a great basketball team. That kid Miller, that he won't be the number one pick in the draft, but he'll be top five. For sure. Mark Sears is a guy for Alabama that State pursued very heavily and tried to get him to Starville. And he would make a huge difference for this Mississippi State team. But he's at Alabama, and he's making a big difference for them. I will say this. I've been, you know, and I don't like to talk about attendance, especially after the last decade of people, you know, going back and forth about why attendance is bad. Attendance was bad not because the students got moved or anything. It's because the team wasn't winning. That team's not really winning right now. They're playing better, but they're not winning. But I've been impressed with State's crowds these past few games. They had a huge crowd for Alabama, big crowd for that game. I thought the crowd for Ole Miss was very good. And I thought last night with the students finally back in town, you know, it was a later arriving crowd, and you're going to have that with a six o'clock tip. There's just no way to get around that. Six o'clock tip, I mean, people coming from Jackson, they're going to be 30, 35 minutes behind. But I thought, I think the support has been there. I'm interested to see what happens this weekend. 7.30 tip on a Saturday. That's a late tip for people who want to travel. You know, if you want to get back and do church on Sunday, that's, you're going to be, you're going to be getting home late. That's fine. But I think the support has been there thus far for this team. And I think once they get into the second half of the season, once they get past next Saturday in that TCU game, only got one more ranked game, assuming Kentucky doesn't get back into the poll or Missouri or anybody like that. But Arkansas at Arkansas, that'll be a tough one. But you got two with South Carolina. You can win both of those games. You got one at Ole Miss. You can beat Ole Miss. You got a game with Texas A&M. They're beatable. That game's in Starkville. You got a game with Vanderbilt. Beatable. That game you can win. If you win those games I just mentioned, that's uh, that, that's 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 what 
five more wins. You play LSU at home. LSU is beatable. That's seven wins. This team finished seven, seven and eleven in the conference in first the first year of Christians. They're not making the tournament. They'll be on the bubble. They'd be you know they'd be in the la- not even maybe not even the last four out or the next four out, but they'd be in the next next four out. You know something like that. Not not in, but that'd be a great first season into the NIT. And then you let the man recruit. He can obviously coach. I don't normally shill for coaches. Normally, you know, I, I just I let I let things play out. But I, I've been very impressed with Chris Jans. I think he's got the right demeanor, the right attitude. I think if if there's you know if you if you're a person who believes in culturally fitting with a with a university and a coach, you've got that with Jans. He has the right you know blue collar uh, approach that Mississippi State fans would embrace. I feel like there's just a lot of uh, I feel like there's a lot positive working within the basketball program right now, despite the fact that they've gotten off to a slow start, a very slow start in conference play. Feel like they 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 play hard, they're giving you everything they've got, and they're going to eventually figure it out, and they're going to pile up some wins towards the end of the year. I, I do believe that, and if they can find a way to get a win, you know, if they can beat Florida, now they're at eight and ten, with what I just laid out for you, right? Eight and ten? Can you beat TCU? You might be in. You legitimately might be in. So we'll see. I like this team though, and I like Jans. I've enjoyed watching them this year, so we'll see. All right, we'll wrap things up. Talk a little bit more about that Florida game. Plus, letting you know what's uh, what's happening around Mississippi State for baseball. Let's talk about just a, a just a touch of baseball when we come back here on Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. time here on Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for spending your Wednesday evening with me. Mississippi State Baseball, 29 days away from first pitch at Diddy Noble. I reached out to somebody over there today to find out the times. They haven't got those set yet. Uh, I would imagine. Look, I, I now this may have been a mistake on my part. I will take full responsibility. But it said mid-60s with the low around the 40s in a way extended forecast for uh, February 17th. So, we'll see if the other weather holds up, but they they're pretty they normally do that first that first game early. I would be not be I would be surprised if I'm able to make it because I'll probably be on the air. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But MSU not ranked in the, in the first uh, D1 baseball poll and D1 baseball that's kind of the poll I'm going to go by. If you ever see me refer to the ranking, it's always D1 baseball. I feel like those guys, you know, I, I like Teddy K Hill at, at Baseball America. He's my friend, but 
but I feel like D1 does the best job of because they have so many guys, and all they do is cover college baseball. Um, unranked. And, you know, I thought that was – I had two thoughts about that. One, I thought it was a little odd because D1 was so high on State's tr- transfer class. I think they had the number two overall, and they had State's freshman class, I think, number four overall. So, you know, there's obviously an influx of talent. But at the same time, there's a lot of questions about this Mississippi State baseball team, specifically on the mound. You got no no Ethan Small on this team. You got no no Will Bednar. You got no I mean, or at least if you have that guy, you don't know that you have that guy yet, the way you did coming into some of those other seasons. Right now, if I said who is State's Friday night starter for game one, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it'll be Cade Smith. He's certainly got the the resume for it. He's certainly got the uh the the the, the numbers for it. And he's got the experience because he he started SEC games a year ago. But it could very easily be somebody else, and I, I would almost be willing to guarantee, and, and if you go back on Thunder and Lightning, I talked to Teddy Cahill, and he echoed this thought that almost impossible to believe that whoever starts game one of the season will start game one. It's, it's very very likely that State will have a different Friday night starter by the time they get to SEC play. And that SEC schedule is so backloaded for Mississippi State. They really need to get off to a fast starting conference play. If I remember correctly, those last four games are just absolutely, our last, I'm sorry, last four weekends are brutal for Mississippi State. They absolutely, uh, get, I mean, get taken to the, uh, the ringer, through the ringer. You know, after they, after what week is it? Uh, they have Super Bulldog weekend on the 16th with Ole Miss. Then they travel to Auburn. And then, yeah, starting April 27th, this is what Mississippi State has. They're at Tennessee for three, in Starkville for three with Arkansas, at LSU, the preseason number one, and then Texas A&M at home, the preseason number five. So if I'm correct, let me find the D1 poll. I'm not sure where Arkansas was ranked, but I know that LSU is one. Yeah, LSU one, Tennessee two, A&M five, Arkansas eight. So State's last four weekends of the season – they play four top eight teams. Pretty tough. Pretty tough. And of course, they play you know Ole Miss and and uh, Vanderbilt in the regular season, or in the in the SEC play before that. Vanderbilt ranked tenth, Ole Miss fourth preseason. Nowhere to hide. I think this team is going to be better, but it's going to be. I think I'll just go on the record now and tell you. I think it's going to be tough for them to host. If they host, then they're probably going to be one of the top three or four seeds. They're going to be a favorite to win another national title because that schedule is tough. And then you know, that's not even talking about the non-conference schedule where you have a three-game set with Arizona State. You play Louisiana Lafayette, always a good team. You play the Frisco Baseball Classic with Ohio State, usually a pretty decent team. Oklahoma is the national runner-up. You Obviously, you have your games with Southern Miss. They're a top 25 team this year. It's a tough schedule. And I didn't, you know, obviously in the SEC play, you got Ole Miss and Vanderbilt and everybody else. And of course, you have the Governor's Cup, too. So if state hosts, they will have absolutely earned that hosting spot. That will be a, a great season for Mississippi State. But they're going to need some guys to step up that you don't know right now. You, do you know who Landon Gartman is? Do you know who Nate Dom is? Those are guys, you know, Aaron Nixon, some of these new faces. Do you know who Bradley Lofton is or, or, or you know, 
Obviously, I think everybody knows who Gerangelo Sanjay is. Who I found out, by the way, I said yesterday his nickname is Lou. It's not. It's Low. I'm just going to call him Low. That'll, that'll make it easy for us. But I'm, I'm excited for baseball, but I feel like they're going to be grinding. It's going to be a grind this season. We'll see. We'll see. Did JT again come out of nowhere? No, JT again was a first-round draft choice. He didn't come out of nowhere. He had high expectations coming to Mississippi State. I don't think there's anybody like that on the roster. We'll see, though. All right, back with you tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi, Thunder and Lightning podcast, and, of course, next week right here, 6 o'clock, Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. He's Rhino. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll see you again next week. Mississippi Media Production.